the suggestion that um, those who are a different faith are somehow a security risk is is what we're seeing, you know, certainly in, in several states across India. Hello and welcome to the USERF Spotlight podcast, a weekly podcast series by the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, where we take a deep dive into religious freedom conditions around the world, breaking the situation down for you. Each week, we focus on a different country, region, or topic. Not only do we analyze and explain the religious freedom situation to our listeners, but we also make policy recommendations to the United States government in order to address the immense challenges we bring to light here. Now here is the host of our show, USERF Director of Outreach and Policy, Dwight Bashir, to lead today's discussion. Welcome to USERF Spotlight. Today, we're going to discuss the growing climate of intolerance for religious minorities within India, the othering of those that are non-Hindu through the misuse of national and state-level legislation has turned India's diverse pluralistic society into more of a hostile state for many religious communities, particularly Muslims, Christians, Sikhs, Adivasis, and Dalits. Since 2020, USERF has recommended India be designated a country of particular concern, or CPC, due to the Indian government's promotion of Hindu nationalism and engagement and facilitation of systematic, ongoing, and egregious violations of religious freedom. With the release last week of our annual report, this was the third consecutive year that USERF is recommending CPC status for India. The Indian government's continued enforcement of laws targeting non-Hindus, including, as we'll discuss here today, anti-conversion laws, has created a culture of impunity for nationwide campaigns of threats and violence by mobs and vigilante groups, including against Muslims and Christians accused of conversion activities. We're fortunate to have with us today USERF Commissioner Anarima Bhargava to discuss the growing climate of intolerance towards non-Hindus in India. Welcome, Commissioner Bhargava. Thank you so much, Dwight. Now, laws exist in approximately one-third of India's 28 states that limit or prohibit religious conversion. Since 2018, multiple states have introduced and enacted laws or revised existing anti-conversion laws to target and criminalize interfaith marriages. On the surface, these laws are introduced as a method to protect individuals from being forced or lured into conversion. However, we see these laws increasingly being used to target interfaith couples. Can you tell our audience, uh, Commissioner Bargova, how did these laws transform from protection of faith on the one hand to the targeting of faiths? And why are states like Gujarat and uh, Karnataka pushing to pass anti-conversion laws in the first place? Uh, Dwight, thank you so much for the question. I, in many ways, the laws, the anti-conversion laws that have been on the books, and many of them have been on the books for decades, uh, were, as you mentioned, a way to protect uh, those who might be induced into marriage by fraud, um, that there was an effort to try to convert through marriage. Um, but that is just generally not what has uh, has taken place and certainly not what has taken place uh, in, in recent years. Yet, there has been this, this real focus on um, on, on anti-conversion laws and expanding them and uh, and creating mechanisms for them to be enforced and enforced in really targeted ways. Part of the reason for that is, is a suggestion that anyone who is converting 
uh, at this time in India to uh, to Islam or to Christianity or to other uh, faiths that 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 is something um, that is a look down upon that is uh, that is a, something that is they want to take any step they can take to prohibit from happening um, that um, that it, it is in and of itself the idea of conversion is something that is criminal um, that that uh, that would propose a security that we'll talk about that in a moment. So what's happening with the with the marriage laws is that um, that that this idea that any relationship uh, between a, a Hindu and someone of a different faith um, is something to be, be discouraged. Um, that is what's um, kind of coming into. Uh, that's what's animating. That's what's in, informing. Uh, the ways in which we see these laws uh, being being you know being revisited, being expanded, and and certainly what's happening in states like Gujarat and Karnataka, uh, where you see um, those who who you know profess and advocate for a more overt Hindu state being in power, and as they've gotten into power, uh, there is this you know active move um, to to stop conversions from taking place um, in any form, but but certainly. Um, also to stop uh, there being relationships and unions um, that are uh, across faith. Um, and so uh, this is this is an extension of, of this, this general uh, concern about anyone not being Hindu. You know, it's my understanding that the, the 1954 Special Marriage Act provided a path for interfaith couples in India to marry. Uh, since the act requires that the couple provide one month's notice of the union, during which time objections uh, can be lodged with the marriage registrar. Uh, many of the new and revised state anti-conversion laws include public notice requirements uh, that go even further. Uh, can you share uh, with us our, uh, uh, the different public notice requirements and, and what are what are they meant to accomplish, as well as how are these public notice requirements facilitating violent reprisals and targeting of interfaith couples? So the 1954 Special Marriage Act, it, it, its intent was something actually to, to it was, its intent was to help uh, couples who might be of different faiths, who might not be able, who might not want to or or have a particular religious ceremony that could uh, mark and commemorate their their union and marriage. It was a way to actually, uh, you know, essentially have a marriage and, and recognized in a different kind of way. And it was a pathway uh, for for marriage for those who might be of different faiths or of no faith, right? Um, and uh, and so the intent was a good one. Um, part of what took place was um, was and, and in that they, they they sort of put out a notice requirement that you just you you notify that you are going to get married with about thirty days notice. But what we've seen now is that there's a public notice requirement in a number of these state laws, but but the public notice requirement is something that is being literally posted. So so um, there were many ways in which um, notice might have been given in, in in under some of these other laws. And so, for example, they might send something to your address that says and to your family, which which could be dangerous for some people. Um, that said, you know, there, there's an intent to marriage and in, in, marry in 30 days, but there's now a situation in which. Um, there's uh, there's these public notice requirements are being put out publicly, um, put out online, and um, and so you could people can actually look and see everyone who has 
who has indicated that they plan to marry and marry someone who might be of a different faith. And what's taking place then is it's literally open season um, on those who are uh, who are giving notice of their intent to marry. Um, and it's not open season from their families or from uh, local government or enforcement. It's open season by anyone um, who um, who, who can, who can access that because it's, it's now public information. And so in some ways it's a list, um, a list that's being used to target and we're seeing violent, uh, violence being, uh, you know, perpetrated against those who, um, who have, um, tried to follow, uh, these requirements and to notice their, their intent to, to, to form a union. And those are not people who are, um, again, being coerced or, or, or that the marriage is fraudulent or they're being you know forced into something. Um, these are people who, who, who in, would like to marry. And, and because, uh, there's a sense that they are different backgrounds or, or religions, they're now being, being targeted. Um, and it's the public notice requirement is sort of inviting in the public to, to have a say in in whether you know people get married and get married uh across faith and um and that has been extraordinarily dangerous uh in in many parts of the country and um and has made something that should be uh, private and personal and uh into something that is a, a a public um you know public process and a public and often violent public process for many Yeah, truly a very worrying uh, trajectory there. As you well know, we, we've received a number of reports indicating that authorities have assisted, if not encouraged, uh, the targeting by non-state actors of interfaith couples, converts, uh, their families and their religious communities in an effort to prevent interfaith relationships and marriages. Can you identify some of these non-state actors, who they are, and how are, how are local authorities facilitating them? So as I just mentioned, uh, the, the idea that local authorities are putting up the names of people who are who are, you know, intending you know, to 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 pursue or interfaith marriage um, and then, uh, you know, in doing so, uh, facilitating the kind of targeting and violence towards those couples. Um, and in addition to that, when we've seen violence that has targeted uh, interfaith marriages and in, in a number of cases, what we're seeing is. The suggestion that uh, those who are in a relationship um, that might, you know, so so if a if a Hindu man fell in love with a Muslim woman, um, for example, or vice versa, um, that uh, that it's it's almost uh, if if there's if there's a way in which uh, a a family a community gets attacked because of the suggestion that there's been a relationship and that relationship is forbidden or, 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 or should be criminal, which is kind of what the suggestion of some of these laws has been. Um, when there's violence that's taking place, the other way in which we see local authorities uh, just uh, encouraging and facilitating it is just by, by not pursuing those who engage in the violence. And so the, the idea that you could not only target um, and target often by rumor and by, you know, uh, in, in a kind of mob violence sort of way, you could target interfaith relationships or marriages um, and um, and then have no consequences for that uh, is is yet another way in which we're seeing um, you know again this this kind of open season on um, on any kind of commingling or relationships between people of different faiths and um, and so the non-state actors I think you know are, are we see them not only in organized, 
there are organized Hindu nationalist groups, there's organized, um, you know, local groups, there's also just mob violence that's taking place that is targeting, um, targeting people of different faiths. And uh, the fact that that's not only this suggested that that might be a role that they can and should play, but also that they don't have any consequences if violence does occur, um, that's that's the ways in which we're seeing um, the state and, and, and you know facilitate, encourage, tolerate this kind of behavior. As you know, we've we've documented, and others have as well. I mean, the human rights community, the national, state, and local governments, and they have demonized and attacked the conversion of Hindus to Christianity or to Islam. Uh, some government officials have even equated conversion or proselytization as a security threat. Uh, how, how does the growing use of anti-conversion laws to target non-Hindus advance this larger campaign that you've been talking about? So, uh, so there's there there's an equation equation of conversion to again something that is criminal, something that is a security threat. That somehow or another Hinduism by by anyone in converting away from Hinduism, it's somehow an attack on Hinduism itself. Uh, on, uh, on frankly, on India at the local and 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 federal level, and an understanding and vision of India in, uh, that that is being per, you know perpetuated right now. And so, um, so for example, uh, as uh, the Chief Minister of of Uttar Pradesh just proclaimed that um, that he was going to have um, you know up to five hundred officials go and root out those people who were trying to convert. Hindus um, and um, and root out any sort of situations in which there might have been marriages or other things that had taken place um, where where someone might have been convert, converting um, from Hinduism to another religion or not just the, the suggestion that they were that he was going to have a whole bunch of officials do that under uh, you know this uh, uh, the the auspices of a security act that it was it was in fact you know a way in which to protect the security uh, of the state um, and. And, and then we see we're seeing in in a state like Karnataka, where there have been um, you know literally door to door checks of whether or not families have converted to uh, to Christianity to to other religions. And so um, you know those are those are the kinds of practices that we have seen in situations that have you know escalated into some of the most horrific and and violent. Um, um, uh, parts of our our world history, um, and we're seeing that now, which is which is you know this this like uh, this suggestion that um, those who are a different faith are somehow a security risk, or those who who might want to even be in a relationship or or have uh, ties to people of different faiths are somehow a security risk, um, and to and to do that in a widespread way. Is is what we're seeing, you know, certainly in in several states across India, um, and and we're seeing it, uh, you know, st stated, encouraged, um, and facilitated by by you know government leaders. Yeah, to close off, uh, if you could touch on uh, uh, some of the larger. Uh, concerns regarding religious freedom conditions. Uh, obviously, I mentioned at the outset, we just released our annual report last week with our latest findings, uh, as well as our uh, latest policy recommendations, uh, uh, some of which obviously are 
designed to address deteriorating, deteriorating religious freedom violations. Could you could you share some of the key ones to see wh- uh, where where things might be most effective uh, to address these larger issues? Sure. Um, right. So I think in in in, in many ways, uh, what we documented in uh, in the annual report for 2021 uh, for India is um, is very much in line with what we've been talking about here, which is the othering of of non-Hindus in every part of uh, of their lives from um, from whether or not um, you know for the questioning of their citizenship uh, within India to uh, to um, anyone who speaks out about violence um, and and the targeting of religious communities or about the rights of those who are in those communities um, those those folks whether they be journalists whether they be advocates whether they be uh, you know, documenting in any form, whether it just be residents who decided to take a video of of an attack on a, a place of worship, um, that we we're seeing that um, that there's efforts to detain, to arrest, to intimidate uh, those who are trying to make sure that uh, that religious communities are protected and that they're they're raising their voice about that. Um, and so um, that's happening through uh, a couple of different laws that are being enforced. And enforced very aggressively against uh, members of religious communities, but also um, those who, um, those who, again, as I mentioned, are, are advocating or are just trying to document what's happening uh, at a, at a time when there's just extraordinary escalating violence towards um, towards uh, you know Muslims, Christians, and many other uh, communities, religious communities across India that are not Hindu. Um, the other, the other. Um, parts of 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 what we raise that are of concern. I mean, certainly the violence that we're seeing, the mob violence that we're seeing around things like anti-conversion laws, um, are are is is of of the same ilk as we saw in uh, and we've seen we continue to see with regards regards to things like cow slaughter, uh, the the assertion that um, that there are people who um, who may be attacking cows or who are eating. Selling, um, you know, trading uh, meat um, that they can be that they they're being also being attacked, often again on rumors and suspicion, uh, and um, and in ways that are um, that are you know there's been no consequences to that as well, um, and um, and then there's uh, real concerns about um, a lot of the ways in which services are provided uh, for communities in India. Charitable charity is charitable giving. Charitable um, the charity is being provided in India is is through religious organizations and religious uh, means and um, and there's been a targeting of of service organizations of those who are providing you know really basic needs to communities uh, to different religious communities but also to religious organizations themselves. Um, the cutting off of funding, uh, the interrogation, uh, the questioning of the operations of those kinds of organizations through things like the Foreign Contributions Regulations Act. Um, so, so that's the, the, those kinds of ways in which there's this climate of intimidation, of fear, of attack, of harassment of 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 religious communities, and and again, anyone who's engaged with them. Um, that's that's what we are seeing in 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 many parts of India. Uh, and uh, and and it, and it has been of concern um, for for a number of years. We also see this, you know. Again, I, I mentioned citizenship. Um, the the continued sort of equation of citizenship as being Hindu um, or of being certain religions 
and that that those who are of different religions um, have to sort of prove up um, that they belong, that they are citizens of the country. Um, and so uh, that is what's been sort of uh, reflected in things like the Citizenship Amendment Act um, that was um, passed in December 2019 and, and, and the ongoing ways in which uh, there are efforts to try to sort of have people prove up that they that, you know, that that even after living in India for generations, um, that uh, in the hundreds of millions of people uh, may, be, may may have some of that questioned um, because of their faith. And so those are the kinds of things that we documented in the report uh, and um, and that are of concern over the past year. Uh, and uh, and 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 the ways in which to engage on that again, it, India's very foundation as a country, um, you know, in its constitution is as a secular pluralist state that had has long had um, many different uh, communities, religious communities, uh, by 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 religion, by caste, by 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 background, and in 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 such diverse ways. India has been by, by language, it's been a place um, where so many have been able to uh, live and thrive together. And um, and so, you know, trying to to really lift that up. Um, what is what is the and, and, and certainly the essence of Hinduism itself is 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 allowing for that um, is supporting uh, supportive of that. And so to lift that up at a time where, um, again, the move is to something else, which is um, you know, and, and to this othering and to this this move towards an overt Hindu state, like um, for for the United States and others to engage in 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 both voicing what the human rights concerns are, particularly when it's so dangerous for people within the country to do so, um, to be able to uh, to to you know again um, having a democracy in which, you know, th these kinds of, um, silencing and attacks and, and enforcement of laws are taking place to, to recognizing the ways in which that is not in line with a secular democracy. Those are the kinds of things I think certainly in the, in the ways in which the United States is engaging with, with India are important, um, to continue to lift up. Uh, and, and also for those who are advocating and openly advocating the targeting of, of religious communities, violence, um, to to have sanctions uh, be considered and, and and put in place against those officials, uh, and uh, again for for the United States, which has such a rich um, set of ties and history with India, and and certainly has a, a such a robust and, and important Indian community, certainly of which I'm a part, um, to 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 make sure that that those ties are ones that um, uphold uh, all of the ways in which um, there is much to be. Um, celebrated and proud of in India, um, even in you know, particularly in the Hindu community, um, and not to 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 delve into the world of 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 hate and of divides and of violence um, that unfortunately are taking you know taking place in in so many parts of the country right now. Um, to 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 so so to lift up a very different vision and 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 promise and 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 certainly reality in India is, is gonna be important to continue to do. So um, for all those, I mean, those are those are the kinds of things that we have in terms of recommendations um, and, and certainly to continue to watch the ways in which uh, some of the more problematic uh, laws at both the state and, and federal level, uh, I mean, state and national level in India are being, um, are being you know, enforced in different ways and, and expanded in different ways um, to continue to watch that and, and, and to, to make sure that, that the steps are not taken in the wrong direction within the country, which unfortunately uh, has not seemed to be the case in, in 2021.
Well, we certainly hope uh, there will be steps taken in the right direction. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it right here. But I want to thank Commissioner Anarima Bargava for taking time to join us today, sharing her expertise and insights and for her service on the commission as her time is winding to an end. Certainly, uh, your contributions will be sorely missed uh, here at the commission uh, for all the efforts you put forward for the religious freedom of all people uh, around the world. Uh, for those who want to learn more about USERF's reporting uh, on India and our latest policy recommendations, uh, feel free to look at our website where you can also find our annual report chapter that Commissioner Bargava was talking about on India with policy recommendations uh, released just last week. As always, thanks for tuning in today, and we'll see you next time on USERF Spotlight. To learn more about USERF and about global religious freedom concerns, visit usurf.gov. That's U-S-C-I-R-F dot gov. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at U-S-C-I-R-F. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week for another USERF Spotlight.